This is Church on the Rock, where Jesus is our message and people are our heart. Tune in to hear a teaching that we pray inspires and encourages your life with Christ. Hey, we're in a series called Better Together. We're in a sermon series called Better Together. And you know, when it comes to family, we're all in different places here. You know, some of us were, are married with kids. Some of us are empty nesters. Uh, some of us have are single Amen. Some of us are single. Some of us are maybe single again. Some of us are maybe on a second marriage, maybe on a third marriage. Uh, Maybe even feel like things are so bad that you're wondering if your third marriage is going to even make it. But everybody's in a different spot when it comes to family. You may be a blended family. The, The makeup of families are so different today. But I want to tell you that that God is with us, and God wants every family to prosper. And God wants every family to be in good health. And he wants every family to be functional. And he wants every family to be vibrant. We know that that, that family and, and kids and living life together, how many know that that can bring some of the greatest pain that you've ever felt? You know, going through things and the suffering that you might, the exchange of words that husband and wife might have, uh, the exchange of words that parents and children might have, uh, seeing your children make uh, bad decisions or, or you as a parent making a bad de- decision. I don't know if you're like me, but do you know how many times I've went in when my ki- kids were asleep and I've laid my hands on my kids and I've wept over them and I'm saying, Lord, please don't let my inadequacy as a parent hurt them and how they're being raised up. Oh Lord, protect them from me sometimes. Protect them from my inadequacies. But how many know that family can bring some of the most painful times in your life, but also family is where the greatest joy is, happens, is where the greatest exchange of happiness can happen is in the family. Uh, we, we can all agree, we're all in different spots, but we all agree that, that when family's going good, it's the greatest, and when family's not going good, it's very difficult. You may, think, you may think when it comes to family that I could just go into the Old Testament or go into the New Testament and that i just start pulling out all these wonderful examples of family. But guys, the reality of it, if you go through the Old Testament you, and the New Testament, you are going to see so much dysfunction and so much competition. I mean, Cain and Abel, the first generation, they were murdering each other. And David hating his father. And, 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 and different exchanges happened between siblings to where uh, uh, brothers were killing sisters. And, and, and you look at it and you're like, and you look at Abraham and Joseph. I mean, think about Joseph. His brothers sold him into slavery. First they beat him up and threw him in a pit, and then they sold him into slavery. Hey, if you're thinking right now, maybe my family situation is as bad as I thought. Has anybody been thrown in a pit and beaten by your brothers and sold into slavery? So it may not be quite as bad as we think. But guys, really, the, the Bible is full of dysfunction, full of a lot of problems. But yet, it's also full of restoration. It's also full of reconciliation. It's also full of healing. It's also full of forgiveness and and people becoming effective families. So if your real doesn't quite meet up with God's ideal, don't worry about that because God gives us his grace. God helps us. Grace is the ability to do what you can't do. God gives us that grace. He gives us abundance of grace. 
and he, a little bit of faith, a little bit of hope, and a little bit of love. And we can see our real become, begin to be transformed to God's ideal. Don't give up today. But we just learned, we learned that God can fill that gap last week. But we also learned that we need to be a little bit intentional. Everybody say intentional. We need to be intentional. We need to be intentional in counseling. How many of you, you know, some people think you just go to the doctor if you're sick. But you also go to the doctor for checkups and to just be healthy. Counseling is good. Be intentional in, 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 in your marriage. Uh, invest in your marriage. Put something into it. Counseling can be something where you're just getting a, is everything okay, a time to talk to each other. And I felt God tell me this really, 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 really strong last week. And I felt it when we did the baby dedication today. It, Titus is full of teaching that says older moms teach the young moms how to be good moms. Older moms, older fathers teach the young men how to be men and how to, to lead their families and to, to, to be uh, uh, the, the leader of, in their homes. It talk, there, there's so much in Titus where it, sh- where it shows this. Guys, do you know some of the best counseling isn't something you got to go pay for? Some of the best counseling can be hanging out with an elderly couple in the church. Somebody that's maybe just been in marriage a little bit longer than you have. Guys, I can't overemphasize. I need you to be, God needs you to be intentional. If, if, if you, it's healthy for, for families in Church on the Rock. It's healthy for, for Ken and Darlene to go out with Stephen and Allison and have lunch and just talk about things. It's healthy. If we're not careful, we all just segregate in our groups. When God's called us to be together, we have so much we can glean and learn. And here's the good thing. It's free. Here's the other thing on being intentional. Get a book and read it together. On being intentional, you, you may think this isn't one. Coming to the sock hop as a family is being intentional. You know why? Because that's that time to build relationships. You know, in every relationship, there's an awkwardness that you have. And you have to, like when you start a relationship with somebody, you do that surface talk and you, you, you do all that. But, and and, and you, 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 you ask the questions, what do you do? What do you like? You keep that surface. But when you start going deeper about how you feel about things is when you sp- keep spending that time together. You, you know, even at the sock hop last night, there's about three or four couples that I see them come to church all the time, but I, I really had never had a chance to connect with them. Don Pilgrim's been coming to church for months, but I really never had a time to talk to him, the one that was baptized, until we had that coffee and chat. Being intentional is being involved in your church and going to different group activities. Last night, seeing the children roller skate. Guys, I'm, I'm guessing there was over 300 people here last night, um, at least close to it. But there were children, there were husbands and wives talking, there was laughter, there was Denny blowing big bubbles, and, and brother, you'd have won that if you hadn't have went up so early. <laughs> but, but just that interaction... That's being intentional. And guys, here's another thing for interaction. Get on the internet. 
Find when a conference is happening. You don't have to wait for the church to, to, to get a church where we're going to a conference. Invest in your wife. You know, when you go on a missions trip or something like that, invest in your wife. Invest in your husband. When you go on a mission trip or something like that, there's a relationship that gets deeper when you're in Africa together doing ministry. A relationship goes deeper if you drive three hours to a conference, to a Jimmy Evans conference. That's a good name, Jimmy Evans. Go to Jimmy Evans conference. Take your wife, put her in a good motel. Take your husband and and, and say, hey, uh, uh, we're going to have a good meal. And then spend that time in conference. Brothers and sisters, that's intentionality. And I believe that God has said that we have to be intentional. Our theme verse for this is in Luke chapter 6, verse 46 through 49. And it says this, Jesus begins with a very interesting question. He said, so why do you keep calling me Lord? Church, he asked that to people. I, I think Jesus sometimes, when he sees us all doing our own thing and kind of, he sees our life chaos. Our marriage and our families are wicked bad. I mean, it's terrible what's going on. And, and we come to church every week. But, you know, we just, for some reason, don't give this a chance we give magazines and what we learn in the secular more. Brothers and sisters, we need to put more belief in the sacred than we do the secular. We need to. But Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord? Why, why do you call me Lord when you don't do what I say? I'll show you what it's like when somebody comes to me. When somebody comes to me and says, I need some help. I want some help. And listens to me and grasps what I'm saying and he follows and acts on it amen it's like a person building a house who digs deep and he lays the foundation on some solid rock and when the flood waters rise and break notice it says and when it's going to happen when the flood waters rise and break against that house it stands firm why because it was well built but anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who doesn't build on the right ground. I want you to see that. Any person who hears, any person, anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house on the right ground. Wait. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house on the, on the ground without a foundation. When the floods come and when the... And when the floods sweep down against the house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. Brothers, that's what ha- brothers and sisters, that's what's happening in a lot of marriage and families, is they're not building on the right foundation. I'm telling you. So, God is restoring, I believe, a biblical order. And I believe that blessings released when there's a biblical order. I want to give you a definition today. I want, you, I want to define submission. Because uh, if you're in your Bible, I want you to look at Ephesians 5.21. Ephesians 5.21 is an umbrella, an overarching thought that takes the rest of the thoughts clear into chapter 6. So when we read 21, it's like this is the title of the message and everything else flows from here. It says this, and further, Paul said... Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So the overarching principle 
And what we need to do in family, the Bible, Paul said, and further all, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You know, when we hear the word submit, we think of a worldly submit. We think of um, Animal Planet, where a pack of wolves have killed an animal, and the alpha wolves are up there eating and chowing away on this animal, and the, the little weak ones are on the perimeters outside so hungry and try to get in, the alpha wolf bites at them and gets them away till he's full. And these other ones just, and, and submit. That's a worldly definition of submit. Or we think of MMA wrestling, where, where mixed martial arts wrestling, and, and they're pulling each other's arms behind their back, oh, and everybody's owling, and putting their legs around them, and choking them, and, and punching their faces, and then the guy puts them in an arm bar, or whatever, and you see the guy just about as he's ready to pass out, he taps. I submit. I submit. We think that submit means doormat. We think that submit means weakness. We think that submit means that somebody's more dominant over you. Guys, that is the worldly definition of submit. But if you look up the word submission in the biblical definition, which I did, here's what it means. I think you might want to write write this down. Biblical submission is this. It's the attitude of the heart that leverages. It's an attitude of the heart that leverages your strength, your power, your energies, your resources, and your influence for another person's benefit. Godly submission is when it's an attitude of the heart. It's an attitude of submitting your heart and, you're, and you're, lever- you're submitting yourself. You're yielding your wants and your ways. You're yielding and you're, and you're leveraging. You're really a strong person and you're leveraging your strength. You're leveraging your power. You're leveraging your energies. You're leveraging your resources and your abilities. And you're leveraging that um, influence that you have on people so that they can have the benefit of your support. I'm telling you, that's the biblical. The best example of that was Jesus. Jesus Christ was the best example of submission. He doesn't ever tell us to do something he won't do. Jesus left heaven. He was at the right, he was God, just like God the Father was. He was there in creation. He submitted being God. He submitted having all of his rule and reign in heaven. He submitted and came in to a body and became a human being and he suffered as a human being he submitted his role he submitted to the father as a son he submitted to to God he submitted to the cross of Calvary how many of you believe he could have called 10,000 angels how many believe that Jesus that do you believe they took Jesus life did they take Jesus life Or do you believe he gave his life? Say it out loud. I believe he gave his life. So he submitted. 
He submitted. He submitted as a servant and washed his disciples' feet. He submitted. He submitted to the Father. He submitted to a human body. He submitted to death, even the death of the cross. And he leveraged his power. He leveraged his strength. He leveraged his resources. He leveraged his influence so that we're all benefiting from Jesus Christ today. That's submission. So when you see submission, I want you to get that worldly term out of your mind. And I want you to get the biblical definition of submission into your mind. For wives, we see that overarching principle. First of all, all of us need to submit unto God out of reverence. And then it goes in, it says, for wives, this means to submit to your husbands. I'm not talking about the alpha male dominant profile and you you may be married to an alpha male that struts around and that quite honestly is a jerk he wasn't when you married him but he is now you you may be married to that kind of a person but pray to God today that God will knock him off his high horse and he'll hear truth today too but wives it says Unto the Lord. You know, everything I do, if I don't do it unto the Lord, I fail every time. That's why everybody say, oh, pastor, you've you've lost a lot of weight. Hey, pastor can't diet. I have no self-discipline to do that. I can't. Well, how'd you lose? Guys, that prayer and fasting. Why did prayer and fasting work? Because it wasn't me doing it. It's him doing it. It's his grace. I can do all things for Christ who will strengthen me. I can do any. We can move mountains. We can do anything. We can put food down. We can say no to, to sins and temptation through Christ. And through grace we can do that. But man, if we're going at it alone, forget it. You're going to fail every time. You're going to fail every time. How do you know? Because I've done it in the self. I've done performance. I've done willpower. But when I submit unto the Lord. You know when this submission. If you even read before that. That's where it says be not not filled with wine into excess. But be filled with the spirit. Being able to submit is being filled with the spirit. So so, so you, you can't. Wives. When you do it. You do it unto the Lord. It's not unto husbands. And husbands, I want you to notice something. It doesn't say, and husbands, wives are to submit to you as unto the Lord. Husbands, he isn't talking to you. He isn't talking to you. So husbands, keep out of it. God's not talking to you. He's talking to wives. Because husbands say, well, my wife don't submit to me. And the word says that my wife is to submit to me. No, he didn't. the word isn't telling you that. He, he didn't say husbands. He said wives. Wives. Wives, use your power. Use your influence. Use your energy. Hey, man. Do you know Paul, starting with that, broke all tradition talking to the wife first? When he gave that order, hey, everybody submit to one another. Wives, submit to your husband. He started with wives. It should have started with the husband in that culture. The reason he started with the wife 
is because he knew the strength that women have. And he knew that women are such a key in the home. Women, he honored you guys. That isn't a slap in the face. You need to submit, women. It's honor. He's saying you have influence. You have power. And it says out of reverence to the Lord. You know what that reverence means? Respect. Reverence means respect. Everybody submit unto each other out of respect to the Lord. Wives, submit to your husband as unto the Lord. That same meaning as unto the Lord is the same as in reverence to the Lord. Wives, submit to your husbands and give your husband respect. Hey, wives, you know what a man's biggest need is? Respect, affirmation, encouragement. And God knew that you had the influence to do this. You could do this. You're the only one that can. Nobody can do it to me like Carmen can. Y'all can do it, but nobody can do it like my wife can. And I feel the Lord saying to wives, will you use your influence? Will you use your power and your strength and your energy and your resources? And will you affirm and will you respect? Well, respect is earned, not given. Show me, show me that one in the Bible. You secular thinking. That, that irritates me. Secularism. Then we listen to it more than the sacred. The sacred says to do it this way. It's the same as forgiveness. Do, do people deserve to be forgiven? Are, are we supposed to only forgive if they deserve it? Come on, church. So, so we walk around tormented and hurt all the rest of our life because we won't listen to the word that says, hey, we got to forgive. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? Guys, God's helping us. Husbands, husbands, love your wife. Husbands, submit. Husbands, love your wife like Christ loved the church. Who gave himself for the church. Husbands, let's get over ourselves. Do you know what submission and and what that love Christ like, love your wife like Christ, it breaks down to our English word is serve. Husbands, serve your wives. Jesus, when he was washing their feet, they were like, Lord, what are you washing the feet? You're the Lord. We need to be washing your feet. No, Jesus said, if you're going to be my disciple, you need to have this kind of a heart. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. Hey, guys, I'm, I'm going to just tell you something. It's, it's just the Bible. Um, when it comes to the home, it says that the husband is the head. He's the head. What's so bad about that? He's the lead. What's so bad about that? Um, I'm the lead pastor. 
Is that bad? We don't have any problem with that. I'm the lead pastor. But I'm not a dominant horse hiney as a pastor. To me, to me, it's, yeah, I'm the leader, but we all share in the leadership. Hey, can I tell you something? That sock hop that was absolutely incredible, I didn't know one thing about it. In fact, last night I felt the Lord say, drive home and don't help with cleanup. Not that I'm lazy, because actually it's hard for me to do that when work's being done. Oh, you need to go uh, be the example by serving. No, I knew if I was here, I'd start being a leader. And God had leaders. And God had plenty of help. Braden, you guys tore it up. Josh, your team, Larry, my goodness. Me and my wife went home last night. Carmen went home and like, our church is amazing. I've been pastoring 28 years, and just to go home and to see something of that quality, it was amazing. Leadership. Yeah, I'm the head, but it's plural. We, everybody leads together. Even the kids have a part in this. Well, let's just move on to the kids. If you go on, to down, if you go on a little bit further down to the kids, it says this. Uh, for children, this means... For children, this means, I want, I want all teenagers, if you are a um, 15-year-old girl and your name is Caroline, or you are a 15-year-old boy and your name is Sammy. 14. Oh, 14. <laughs> oh, it's you? I didn't have any idea. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Teenagers, hey, listen to me. This word is going to blow your mind. If you... If you are a young adult or teenager, if you are a child, listen to this. This is cool. For children, this means obey your parents because you belong to the Lord and it's the right thing to do. I kind of like Paul. He's like, I'm just going to say this. We're not going to argue about it. You're going to do this because it's the right thing to do. You may not understand it now, but just trust me. It's the right thing to do. All right? Obey your parents. Notice you see this again in the Lord. In the Lord. Obey your parents. Listen. Unto the Lord. Have you seen that threaded throughout all this uh, deal? It says, for this is right. Teenagers, everybody look at me. It doesn't, say for, it doesn't say because your parents are right. It says, for this is right. Obey your parents in the Lord or unto the Lord, for this is right. Not that your parents are right, but this is like, right. And Young people, let me tell you something. I'll tell you something. If you haven't heard this from your parents, they need to tell you. Have you ever heard, I'm sorry, I was wrong? Ooh, I missed that one. Because I'm telling you, we do. Parents are not right all the time. But guys, we do the best we can. It really hurts me when parents do the best they can and... I've seen this pattern in, in the church world. I've been doing this 28, 29 years. I've seen this pattern. It's kids will run to school and parents will come into me and they're like, man, I raised my kids the best way and now they've gone off to school and they're like, all of a sudden I'm this terrible parent that didn't raise them worth a darn and they're needing all kinds of help and, and this, that, and the other. And you're like itching your head thinking, I did the very best I could. Are you all with me today? Um, 
So parents aren't always right, but they do the best they can. It says, honor your father and mother. mother." Listen to this. This is a commandment. This is what the Lord spoke to me. I've never seen this. Honor your parents, your father and mother. This is a commandment with a promise from God. So if you'll submit yourself to this teaching that I'm teaching you today, kids, honoring your father and mother, listen, you may think you got done wrong, but God will make sure that it will be well with you. I think we got to clap on that one. I'm serious. i never seen that. i never, I never seen that. It's like, hey, kids, your parents aren't always right. But trust me in this and, and honor them as unto me. They're not always right. And if you'll do this, I, hey, how many think if God says it, you can take it to the, he, hey, if you'll do this, I, hey, look at me, I will make sure. It goes well with you, girls. You honor mom and dad. Honor mom. You kids, honor your father and your mother. It's right. They're not always right. If you'll do this as unto me, then I, God said, will make sure it goes well with you. And then finally it says in husbands. Um, no, finally it says in fathers this means not to provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. What, husband, or fathers, I really want you to hear this. Do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. I see dads doing this. I see myself. I saw where I did that. Where I provoked them to anger because I was the head. And you're going to listen. And I'm going to say something I don't say very often because I, I really appreciate my raising that I was raised by my parents but there's one thing that was done that I don't know if I agree with it. And I'm going to say I don't know if I, I'm, I'm still questioning it. I, I may be, I, I'm, I'm still thinking about it. But my parents used to look at me and say, don't do that. And, I, and I'd be like, not understanding why. Guys, parents, do you know sometimes your kid's not understanding why? Is, they're not rebelling. You need to discern that. Sometimes they're not rebelling. They just want to know why. Now, I've seen some, why, why? You need to spank their bottom red. It's, it's rebellion. But sometimes it's not. Sometimes they just need to know. And that's part of training is why. Training is why. Okay, now listen. My mom and dad, especially mom, mom, I know you listen to these. I love you to death. And I, I'm probably wrong on this, but anyway, we're doing this together, Mom, because she listens to these. Um, but, oh, Mom, you're going to forgive me for this. Remember, I'm your baby. You're, you were three days late on my birthday card last week. Remember that. Okay. Now I can say anything. <laughs> okay. Um, she said, uh, Mom, you said, I'd say, why? She's. Because I told you to, and you don't need to know why, just because. I don't know if that's healthy, because that provoked anger in me. It, it, it provoked an anger in me, and, and, and it didn't seem fair. But um, 
Fathers, don't, it says don't exasperate or push their buttons. We hope this message connected with you. To get more information about Church on the Rock, check out our website at www.cotrag.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Have a blessed day.